0: hi welcome back to yet another episode of Kidsy eat Toast sometimes the podcast we keep getting renewed by hbo today's guest oh yet another fantastic exciting south african she's an artist she's a teacher of sorts and above all she's a fantastic human being dana gay tate how are you doing hi sam <laughs> and how are you doing how's lockdown treating you it's a standard question I'm
1: Good. I Life hasn't changed that much for me in terms of sitting alone at home all day while I work, you know, so uh, not much actually shifted. But um, I think, what can you do, really?
0: What can you do? Exactly. And how, I love how people are always like how you're coping. It's like you're like recovering from like a drug addiction or something. But meanwhile, we're just like prancing around with masks on and like, erratic sleeping patterns but the world is weird the how is the mental health that's always big
1: oh, are you asking me
0: oh yeah how are how, you yeah. how, how is your mental health
1: I'm like, oh, are we exempling? are you
0: asking? no 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 i'm asking You're you you may have you Clearly, it's not doing too well, uh, some would say.
1: <laughs> Look, we're, a bit, we're a bit off the bat at the moment, eh? Um, well, actually, I haven't left my house in three days. So, by house, I, I mean one room um, in three days. So today, we're, we're feeling a little bit woozy uh, in the brains. To be mm. honest, I was really hoping I'd be able to survive this interview. But um, mental health has been really interesting. Um yeah, I think it, it was probably depends on whether you really love humans or not, um, mm. and whether you need them around you. So, yeah, I was super grateful to be able to get outside. I think that was the big shift with lockdown for most people—actually mm. being able to see.
0: see definitely, well, yeah, I mean, I
1: definitely rely on other people for a lot of the peace up in the brain. You know,
0: mm. of course, and like for an artist, you need your environment. To like inspire you and your like everyday interactions, but I also feel, like like even in this like very brief interaction, and or if I go to the petrol station to fill up, you know, fill up hey, <laughs> a whole tank of white privilege. Eh? <laughs> um, no, if I if I go through, it's like I, I'm not anxious about speaking to someone, but like I'm I, I miss social cues. I'm awkward. Like this was almost the perfect example, and the only thing I truly believe in more than i even believe in myself is this tiny little mask which i i think is hilarious but <laughs> you have to you have to hold on to something wow no it's it, it's all too much and you you've spoken briefly about being in your in your one room um i know you're quite into your like feminist literature and i wouldn't classify or peg virginia woolf down into that like feminist thing not because she isn't but i think she's just wonderful that she doesn't need to be pegged down anywhere, and she obviously writes that extended essay, A Room of One's Own, which focuses on having your own space, and women need resources, and to own their own resources to, to create. How have you found that in terms of studio space, and what has been your, your primary go-to? As, have you been working from home? Have you been able to outsource to a studio? What, what's the, the modus operandi, so to say?
1: Um, yeah, so I mean, what's, I think something that I'm really passionate about space, I'm really passionate about making space, um, designing space, cultivating space. And so this is something I've thought about a lot. And I know a lot of artists, one of our greatest, like, I suppose struggles is how to do what we love and get paid for it. And then on top of that, afford a studio space you know and it's very commonplace among artists to not have not have the financial access to a separate space so that's actually where I find myself at the moment but it's been really cool I, I see it as a challenge to like well I've never been someone I mean I've just really learned to look and look at what's in my hands and like what can I do with it and be grateful for seriously be grateful for the space that i do have which i'm so thankful for and so it's been really cool for me i think this year definitely has cemented obviously with lockdown as well just the decision to break through that like meh, i don't have another space meh, i don't have a space you know which does come i mean it's it's sometimes really frustrating like cuz i want to paint a massive painting and i can't paint a massive painting cuz i can't <laughs> like there's no space for it but um but I think I think there's like I really believe there's a beauty in just uh, how do I phrase it in desiring more or, desi- or being hungry for something new or being hungry for a greater space or being hung- hungry for something that would give you more access to a process or give you more access to an outcome. I think there's a, a beauty and the tension between that and just literally <laughs> recognizing today. I like I might kick the bucket today, Samuel. I really might. I might not make it home tonight. And by home, from I mean, I might not make it to my bed from the floor here. You know, like uh, uh, I might not make it. And it sounds—I know that can sound super morbid—but I've genuinely found a lot of life living with the presence of death. Dare I say? Just Mm. like realizing, I seriously, I could kick it, and Mm. I'm—I don't want to spend today really frustrated that I don't have what I think I want or what I think I need and I mean like what we want and what we need is a whole nother conversation and I have some thoughts on that but um yeah I think all in all it's been really cool to see how my creative process is not I'm learning how to not have it be dictated by my frustration at not having access to something and actually just being seriously gratitude like Will wreck your life if you lean into it and so just I think with that I don't want to do something out of frustration I want to do it because there's a genuine um, like outpouring and I think mm. every artist is different like please don't take this as everyone's approach uh, I know I know every artist is such a and also artists are um, me included uh, quite particular about our opinion being ours and not being put on us by someone else you know Absolutely. and I think you may agree. <laughs> no, for And sure. feel some black sentiment. <laughs> mm. um, Sam th- loves a good opinion being pushed on him, eh?
0: Oh, no, I don't like anyone telling me what to do. But um, he says, whilst the M5-like traffic reverberates outside his room recording <laughs> the podcast. Um, so, no, I think you made, like, a few really, really interesting and compelling points. I've always, and it seems it's made its way more into, like, the mainstream way of thinking, but like as you alluded to there, gratitude is massive. And I think if you center anything, whether it's your practice, creative practice, your relationships, um, to what you're reading, um, I th- I think it is a really good way to go about life. And like you said, that we have been and I've I've felt the the exact same too, and you think too, and you've made a very well you verbalized it very well in the sense that with corona and death and, like, if parents are feeling slightly ill, all that sort of stuff, you are brought much closer to life because, you know, death is not too far away, where they're usually in, like, our wonderful bubbles. It's all happy-go-lucky all the time. And, the, and almost the Grim Reaper's, like, presence actually elicits quite a lot of strange happiness. I know my family, we've probably laughed and talked and just had a real strange time together but it's the happiest we've been and that almost sounds a bit perverse given the like um dreadful way the pandemic's made its way through the world and the real hardships that people are facing but it's yeah it's a it's a strange antagonism but we'll we'll jump off this a bit very deep already someone was like your, your podcast, uh, they, they, they're sometimes depressing. I was like, oh, that's a, t- that's a feedback I'm going for. <laughs> that's Wonderful. Um, so I will ask you, and you, you were already making some complaints on WhatsApp about your toast. Where is your toast? This is kids eat toast. I never have toast. I'm starting to feel like a sham. What have you gone for today?
1: Today, Samuel Holmes. <laughs> I am representing... <laughs> a large part of Cape Town's community mm-hmm. with a rice but with a rice cake. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, okay. I- but you can't actually be mad because if I ate bread, I wouldn't make it through the, the conversation, you know?
0: Okay. Is this so a this gluten intolerance?
1: Right. So this isn't me actually improvising out of servant heart to your podcast.
0: <laughs> And what have you put on it? Because it looks quite fancy from here.
1: It is quite fancy. Look, I ran out of um, uh, July was a bit of a low month in terms of uh, artistic uh, financial return. So <laughs> we haven't, haven't really been able to shop yet at the beginning of August.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: So I had a tiny bit of what one calls tahini.
0: Oh, Yes. Big and, white, big and white culture, massive.
1: Yes, and the fact, that, the fact that I am battling this first week of August is because I bought the tahini last month. Do you see what I mean? So it's kind of like a dark cycle. Mm. And um, then, but anyway, you know, we have a banana and we have some cinnamon. So, okay. um, yeah, I, I usually, sometimes if I'm feeling like real gutsy, I'll like sprinkle some salt on there for like a bit of a, you know.
0: Okay. Cool, wild, wild evening.
1: <laughs> no, truly, truly, like it, it really presses a, a boundary. Mm. So that's where we're at, Sam. And okay. um, yeah, and you, you know, like you said, like it can tell a story about who you are, and, and honestly, it's a, <laughs> it's a story about a really hard uh, financial job. <laughs> a,
0: a, a tough, a tough financial couple of months, combined with.
1: I'm the, so. Oh my gosh! I'm joking.
0: The, the collective. The collective Cape Town allergies or allergens in i don't know I, I I'm only teasing you, of course i I convinced myself for two years that I was lactose intolerant. I don't know how I managed to convince myself and then other people, but I have subsequently been abusing lactose in in any variety um, I don't know I and based on my personal experience, I believe this all to be a sham, so I believe. Your allergen is a sham. <laughs> My stomach's sore. Ah, come on. No. Uh,
1: well, I'm actually one of the few who doesn't actually experience the whole stomach thing. So okay. I literally will, like I say, I'll, I'll pass out on you probably. And fun, yeah. He needs alcohol. And, yeah. <laughs> and insane headaches. <clears throat> so... Ooh. If you want me to like tear up on you a little, I'm joking. I've learned to, look, I just carry drugs with me. I pop them when I want the cake and then we're done with it. So
0: Okay, nice. No, of course I was only, only teasing you, Dana Gay. But I, I, I can't wait for the pushback to happen because, you know, all these people are like, oh, these allergens don't exist like gluten. Come on, people. We've been eating it for, for centuries. So I'm waiting for my first like double lactose coffee and then, then we'll chat probably on the toilet. But besides no, how yeah, that goes. <laughs> uh, but let's get away from this toilet talk. Come on. And one one of the the main things I think of when I think of Dana is this fantastic artist. And when I was looking back at some of your like Instagram work and obviously I've been to your family house on like countless occasions. Um your your style's Quite hard to pin down. the The best description I could give it, is that you are currently having an affair of sorts with watercolors. Would that be fair? What are you What are you dealing with at the moment?
1: I mean, watercolors and I have a bit of a story, you know. Um, actually, no. You are very off, Samuel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, your stalking obviously did not produce successful information
0: happens to the best
1: Um, of us no sam i i teach watercolor that's that's where a lot of the watercolor happens Mm -hmm. so running those online courses that's some of the noise you might have seen me rattling off about on the gram Mm -hmm. okay but and i found I i do love watercolor i really do um for me the reason i the reason I pursue it and teach it is because it's something that makes art accessible to a lot of people and in terms of humans actually being able to get into the process themselves it's one of the more economical art forms it's um it's one of the art forms where if you invest in the material initially it can last you I'm talking up to 10 years like it's it's a very amazing material I mean um medium And so one of the reasons I started teaching it was because I really believe in empowering people creatively and I could talk about this for ages.
0: For sure. well while we're here, while we're here, let's let's chat about it and then we can we can circle back to your, what you actually do and not what I've um <laughs> t-
1: and not, not what you see. said wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Ex- oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be Great. happy to rectify you. I don't know if you've noticed this about our friendship.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Yeah.
1: Um I I am pretty pissed off at the way culture and humanity has squashed creativity in humans. And um I really I, I get pretty pretty passionate about the difference between creativity and uh, creative and um art, art artists, being a being creative and being artistic. <clears throat> because I truly believe that creativity is a birthright just by literally by virtue of being human and um I, I so often i hear people say no but i'm not creative and i'm like um what does that mean exactly. Or like uh, i can't draw i can't paint i'm like excuse you that's not what being creative is create literally means to make create literally means to bring about something into life that hasn't existed before or um, to mold something new and as a human being our like relationships are creative and um, cooking is creative exercise is creative sport is creative engineering is creative dare i say it accounting can be creative <sighs> I know you. Like, I know. I, I know that one. That one really hits a level with some
0: people. Controversial thing, I think that's been said on this podcast up until this point. Wow. <laughs> aim to please. Aim to please.
1: No, I. Um. I. I really do believe it because you can't create. You can't create without being creative. And so, how could anyone have ever formed or even come up with the with the whole accounting system without being mm. creative? Of course. So. Yeah, so I really, I really believe that this, there's a lie that exists in humanity about you not being creative. I believe it is a lie. I started teaching as to break that and to break the fear around creativity, and I found that something like watercolor, which you cannot have control over, and if the more you control you try have over it, the more it sucks, and the more your piece actually just starts to die on you, and that's really it's really tricky for people to not have control over something but what i found in the in my in my workshops and in my classes is that people when you break through any kind of lie you break into a freedom that's what happens right oh, so, because it's replaced by a truth and so um i have come to see teaching as an as a really like it's it's a tool to break that lie, break that fear, as I said, and to allow people to start believing something that is actually true about them, which is that they're creative. Doesn't mean that they have to become an artist, doesn't mean that they have to, you know, have their image be brilliant or whatever, whatever that even Mm. means, seriously. But the process itself is what I'm really passionate about. And the amount of freedom that people have gained in some of those teaching spaces has been one of my greatest encourages to keep going. And also some of the um, the spiritual pushback. I know we're not talking about this yet, but atmospheric pushback that I sense in trying mm. to break through this gets it gets tense, and you can sense fear in a room, and you can sense um, you can sense the lie, like trying to steal from that person in a moment. And it has been one of the most beautiful things to witness people sitting staying i've some people have cried <laughs> at the table in front of their artwork because they realize something's getting hit that they have always um struggled with Or that so there's mm. and this can also lead into like art therapy and there's so much that this can continue not into sure. but um just and i'm not an art therapist but i believe in the power of creativity to heal truth into somebody's being and into somebody's identity and so that's a lot of what push like sort of spurs on my passion about this and yeah so what's been really powerful about it all is seeing that it's not that theory about us being creative by nature and that it's in our dna isn't is actually has actually been proven time 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 and again through the classes i've had the privilege to teach and through some of the workshops i've been able to host it's not bull it actually yeah. it actually is real and that's mm. really encouraging me
0: yeah, Danny, you, you've said a few things that really um, struck a chord with me, and I'll start with the the last thing you said. Almost uh, teaching is a privilege. I, I I absolutely love that sentiment, and I wish it was understood and maybe appreciated by more. And that teachers and those that teach in whatever capacity, if it's coaching, actually teaching in a classroom, lecturing, whatever, has been a mentor. Um, it de- deserved and deserved and got more recognition, whether it be um, financial or otherwise, because it is just such a, like you've said there, to witness the process of someone breaking down, if you will, in front of their artwork that you've helped, and I know you wouldn't attach yourself to it, but you know you've helped this person through something, whether you like it or not, and it's just so beautiful and filled with so many moments like that, and The second thing that you said that really resonated with me, and I thought was actually beautiful in itself, was that, and I don't know, because I'm not too well-versed in watercolor myself, but, so I don't know if you're borrowing, um, what is it, If if you're borrowing metaphors and analogies of that sort from your own research that you've done, but the concept that watercolors are uncontrollable when you're trying to achieve like a, what we almost view as a Commodify a commodity art as a commodity and the watercolor just going against that and not only that but the fact that it very simply plainly reflects that you cannot control everything as hard as you try so and that segues quite nicely into what I wanted to chat to you about in terms of your whole application to study at Michaelis obviously UCT's art school and the process of rejection and how that played out with you and like what that how that affected because you've you've clearly meditated on it and even in the sense that it could just be crippling i mean it's a horrible thing to go through rejection but it speaks interestingly to your point about creativity and society giving it a stamp of whether you're creative whether you're not creative and for a creative school to be like no not this year. How did how did you feel about that and how did you deal with that in the end? I guess is what I'm getting at.
1: Um yeah, as you say a loaded question just cuz and you touched on this already there's so many ways that I could respond to this. I can respond from a what I deem to be more of a like a humanly response which uh surprise I am a human, so that is valid but i could also for me also simultaneously respond from a more spiritual perspective but and i i'm careful to use words spiritual because that needs some defining um but i'm gonna speak more from what i hope could help people and i think rejection is really difficult only if you attach what you applied to to your identity.
0: Mm, wow, I'm loving this already. Positively titillated. I think this is going to start circulating on like motivational uh, Pinterest boards. And tum- Tumblr, 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 we're coming for you, Tumblr. I'm excited. Okay, sorry, Dana, continue.
1: <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm glad that elicited an <laughs> excitement. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, something that, doesn't define you, can't hurt you. Like I really, I've experienced this in my life and um, I've experienced being really hurt and pushed down and um, sometimes feeling like dehumanized by things that used to be attached to my identity and used to be attached to the definition of me. And I don't subscribe to any of those things anymore. And I haven't for a few years and through an experience of a lot of love, I've been able to, um, just see more clearly where the boundary of who I am and what defines me ends. And this is something that I think I didn't always feel this way. And art only, I think maybe only in the last two years have I been, and I'm, you know, I've been an artist my whole life, but I've been pursuing it intentionally since about maybe 2009, 2010, when I made some specific decisions with subjects and stuff. Mm. Um, and obviously studied uh, a visual arts degree. And only in the last two years have I started to see the need to just dis- to, to separate myself as artist um, and daughter, actually.
0: And- It is very interesting to, like, even realize that you have to split yourself into different identities, and they're all mesh, and it's all messy. And that's a very um, exciting thing about life. And just my one thing on rejection, before we we open up a bigger can of worms, (laughs) poor poor, uh, imagery there, but, um, is I came across this fantastic Steve Martin quote. And Steve Martin, if you're not, like, familiar, was that he's a he's the dad and cheaper by the dozen and they he started to lose it towards the end but um before that he had a fantastic career as a comedian and he's doing one of, those, one of those like TED Talk type things classic you know everyone's done a TED Talk can't believe TED hasn't called me up yet for one but he's doing one of those talks and someone asked him about how he deals with rejection and he and I'm like paraphrasing here but he he responded rejection well when i got my first rejection that's when i knew i had ticked that box and i was well on my way to being a successful comedian so i do very much share that sentiment that um not that i'm on my way to being a successful comedian but that it it, it is very crucial in the process because it's it does bring about a level of introspection whether You have to be like you, like you mentioned, oh, I've attached way too much of a talent or something that I'm able to do as who I am as a person and as my identity, which makes things really hard. That's why sportsmen... Um, when they stop playing and have to come off the highs of playing rugby and that's who they are well turn into these terrible alcoholics that's like why the Ike Tigers have a drinking problem you know because who are we off the rugby field I'm only joking I have got a lot of Ike Tiger friends <laughs> but um, to that sort of effect and central to how you deal with rejection is most definitely a belief system and this is Something that I really wanted to explore with you because you and your family are some of the most pure practitioners of faith, if you will. I know you probably won't even like that description, but it's what I'm giving you. And so, yeah, if you'd like to open up about how you let Christianity and Jesus shape not only rejection, but I think art on a grander scale and in your, in your creative process, I'd, I'd be very interested
1: cool thanks my friend uh per, what did you say per, per practitioners, practitioners of, of faith.
0: faith yeah I'll, I'll get you i'll, I'll get you a t-shirt we are the best practitioners of faith
1: i'm keen <laughs> 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 as long as, as, as zap shells jodes and gala and i will get one you know like team family vibes
0: oh yeah you know shelly's my favorite so she's got one for free
1: no, I know. everyone knows shelly's your favorite
0: um <laughs>
1: So, yeah, thanks. I also, just, like, thanks again that you welcome the, the just, like, yeah, welcome the honesty from me. I really appreciate that. Um, what I was, I think what I, w- another thing that you said just now about what Steve Martin said got me thinking. So, I almost want to circle back what I was talking, when I was talking about how something can't, something can't I suppose stamp on you to the point of some kind of permanent hurt if it doesn't hold any defining power true like uh, permanent defining power over you and I think that this is something that all humans do have to learn because if and I grew up someone radically radically sensitive like you get people who you know are sensitive and then you get Dana in the corner on a phone like crying from home from school every day for you like like a, seriously very sensitive and as i've grown up i've realized that um it's actually something that has become a strength and it's actually now got a it, it's actually become a tool and it's become a weapon in life as opposed to it being a weapon for love though not for the lucky stuff um and so i think what's been amazing and so releasing for me and it has it has happened not really by my own doing um but by being loved through community being um being loved by God um and his very what I experienced to be this very real tangible presence and um conversation and relationships. So it's been through that that this whole that this where this answer stems from because I think rejection, I truly believe is, is a gift. Um, it's a gift if you let it be. For me, that rejection from UCT was actually just a directional answer to prayer for me. I, I had been seeking a direction and I had applied to a few different avenues and I had just said, well, whatever doors close, and whichever one stays open, like that's where I go. And but I, I know that it's often easier said than done when you when you're really passionate about something. And what I wanted to actually speak to with a lot of compassion is for is artists who get told that or get rejected from some kind of space or some kind of institution or some kind of course i don't want to undermine through what i'm saying i don't want to undermine what that can do because i very rarely myself experience this this um intertwining of artist with who i am as a person i'm an artist so people say what do you do i'm an artist i'm an artist and like i that's where that that shift for me was so powerful when i was like actually that's not my that's not my first that's not my front that's not what i go into the world as i actually go into the world as someone who is loved by her father and that's where my relationship with god has become massively important because it is it has lightened so much of the you're this no you're not that but you could be this but you can't be because we said so but they didn't say it and but we want to say it and you know remember that one time that one person said that to you and we can all relate to this as a human being I'm pretty sure uh, you've had your spheres in your life that 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 has impacted you and um I think we we as humans we're like nah it doesn't affect us doesn't impact us Uh uh-uh I call absolute crap on that one. Like Mm. words have power. Mm. Words Mm. impact. Mm. They really do. And I could tell you countless stories of words having both negative and um, extremely healing um, repercussions and consequences. And um, I myself have really experienced pain through through word and i think it's a beautiful thing to allow yourself to just admit that it it is really hard when someone Mm. says something specific to you in a certain way so i think i'm going a bit on a a tangent mm. here but if
0: if you don't mind me jumping in uh dana and uh, because it's it's something that you said that i really enjoyed as well and it, it piggybacks off what you're saying with words and their power and it It's it's something that I, I really enjoy about Christianity, or I suppose most religions. Christianity is just like, I don't know, I feel like an easier buzzword in the Western world, Western world, for these sorts of conversations. But I think for me, certainly, um, faith-based religions, I, I have them in similar bubbles, if you will, and... And and that the beauty of words in these religions is prayer for me. And well, as you know, and many of my friends know, and if you if you're listening to this or have watched a, a cat's podcast or like Untoasted, you you probably would have got the feeling that I'm not a religious in in well in, I'm not Christian or I'm not an atheist. You know, I hate these definitions. Anyway, it's not the point I'm trying to make. But I don't currently subscribe to any religion. But the the act of prayer for me is probably the most beautiful thing that I can think of when speaking or not debating, but chatting to people about their religions, their lack of religion, because like you said, it was, you, you viewed this decision from UCT as a, like a deciding factor and an answer to prayer. And that in itself, to me, is just wonderfully bizarre, but bizarre in the most earnest way if you understand what i'm saying
1: yeah i could talk about prayer <laughs> so yeah wh- um, no i i i think i i suppose i do want to make clear where i stand um because mm. i know you know this you you've you we've had converses and um sure. chatted with my brother and all of that a lot and you like you say you've been around our family and um, i just want to I suppose define <laughs> where I stand. Cause I am like you where I don't subscribe to religion either. And mm. I know that that is a statement that a lot of people maybe would be like, what does that mean? Um, and I know that one of the ways to speak about Jesus is to refer to Christianity. I just have a very um, bit of a not so <laughs> mm. stoked approach to the way um Christianity is an assumption to many people. Uh, it is an assumption based on stuff that they've seen or experienced. Mm. And I get that. Um, I have experienced something that is not religious. And so I think it's, I don't know if if you want to, how, like you'd want to maybe talk about that, but, um, I know you wanted to ask me how Christianity like came around in life. I don't know where you want to where you want to go it's just important for me to respond not from a place of um no i i am not religious that's what i want to say i i don't see myself as religious
0: oh no for sure and i think um there might be a sort of like disconnect if you're listening to this and you've heard dana chat about jesus and praying like oh she's not religious like oh Turn in your card, lady. Turn <laughs> yeah, turn in your card. <laughs> you're, you're going straight to hell. But no, I, I I didn't mean and I think this is the problem with like the time we are existing in, is that words carry such weight, and they always have and they always will, but now people are very concerned with the binaries that exist. So when when I say religious or define religious, if for me, if a person is a Christian or a Muslim or, you know, like say you identify with uh, Jesus and you believe in Jesus and all that stuff, um, f- for me, you are religious. But then I completely hear your definition where you don't subscribe to maybe whether it's the physical location of the church or the blanketed behavior of the church. Because, I mean, what does that mean? And for me, that goes back to this point where we live in, a very nuanced world, and everything is very complicated, that we're human beings and interconnected human systems, and, like, we spend half our days looking at phones and, like, trying to work out how to bump into someone enough times that they fall in love with you. It's such a bizarre scenario. So it it is complicated, and when people... And I completely hear what you're saying in terms of you don't want to be thrown under, or not thrown under that, but placed under that, because then you... You feel, or I would certainly feel, that I have to explain the shortcomings of the Catholic Church and the rampant pedophilia associated, where it's like, no, this is my relationship with Jesus or Allah. Praise Allah, I love making Jesus and Allah jokes. It's up there with like some of my favorite things to do. But in a nice way, you know, everyone's got their thing. Um, so yeah, so you don't fit into that that pigeonhole, which I don't think anyone does. That's why I think... Revolving, like, your politics around identity or identity politics is ridiculous. Like, but anyway, there's me going off on a tangent. I usually refrain from these and save them for the <laughs> the untoasted episodes. But if you'd like to speak on anything that you felt in there or or maybe just redefine your position, you, you can go for it. Um...
1: I think my heart is that I. It's. Imp- I think it's so as you say, it's so easy to assume something about someone based on a word that is ascribed to them or that they themselves subscribe to or whatever it is. And, um, I think my heart is, I wish I could, I wish I could right now, um, tell, you know, my whole story and tell mm. like how, um, and tell why I even say what I do and why mm. I post what I post and why and where that comes from. And, um, because yeah, I mean you ask some questions in the talking points and I, I don't mind like responding to them. And mm. um, if you want to, if you want to go there, um, about
0: sure, sure. Let's do that because it kind of comes on the back of what, what we're, we're saying here. So one of my, fascinations with and we'll use christianity because i think it's accessible in this conversation that we're having and why christianity kind of has failed to take root with the youth and that's certainly my understanding of of today's society that it's it doesn't seem as popular or prevalent again this could be wrong so i'd love to hear your thoughts
1: super interesting question i've never i've never like had that i mean it's it's something that you notice but it's not necessarily something that people like verbalize and mm. um and i suppose want to talk about this is really interesting i didn't i like i said to you i was just gonna totally wing this whole thing i didn't prep or like mm, sit mm. too long in some of your talking points but um i did read them i get points for reading them thank you um God, and look. i appreciate it I really value them. I really appreciate them. You know, I appreciate this about you. And so, I was so interesting because the first thing that I thought of when I read that was culture. And I know culture is such a. I mean, you cannot be you can't be reductionist about that word. Like you can't um, simmer it down to one thing. But something that um, when you say Christianity hasn't taken root with the youth. Hmm. kind of is something that I'm glad about because I feel like in past generations, Christianity was cultural. Christianity was not based on a real life experience with God. Facts. And so someone would, and how many times among our parents' generations, our grandparents' generations, especially in the white English communities, um, is there... I can't speak for any other communities right now. I know other communities will relate to this, but I can only speak from mine right now. Um, how often is, if there's a tick box on a form, is Christianity what is ticked? Meanwhile, have has that person actually encountered God? Likely the, likely the answer is no. I obviously can't, again, can't generalize, but but when you go into someone's life deeper, how are they actually living? Do they live in a, like a communion like when I say communion, I'm not talking, um, I'm not talking like Catholic communion. I'm talking like actual communion with a human being, like mm. being in union. Um, <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I mean, you press a little bit further into someone's life who maybe says like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then you're like, oh, okay, cool. Tell me like, how, how do you mean Jesus? Like, how's he impacted your mm-hmm. life? Like what 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 in you has changed since you met him like and then it's like blank face and they're like what are you talking about and then mm. i'm like okay and then i started to see and notice like as as i as you grow up and as you you know got into the world that um something that is culturally either ta- you can either take something from culture and put it on yourself or culture can mm. put something on you mm. like there's both of those pieces i think it does something- a bit of both
0: as well it's it's a give and take process yeah. on both sides continue yep.
1: Sure, no, I agree. um you can then <laughs> it doesn't mean that it goes soul deep. It doesn't mm. mean that you know? and so if something's going to truly change you, it has to be a personal decision, and it has to be something that um I think you, you one of your one of your questions was um something about breaking away from maybe culture or your parents
0: Oh yeah, no, exactly that because it's it's what you've alluded to. And that a lot of Christian people, or a lot of core beliefs in human beings, are passed down from generation to generation, from parent to child to parent to child, to, you know, in a an almost unbreakable um, sort of cycle. So if if I'm and I I also used to say I'm Christian because my mom was a Roman Catholic, sort of thing. But I I did I mean like before a cricket match, I was like Jesus, please. I need some runs, Jesus, you know. You haven't been there recently, big man. You gotta go. And then I'd get like, go out for three. I was like, ah, didn't work. It can't exist. So no, you know, and um and that's just because what my parents believed. And um, but I also think those sort of Christians get a sort of hard time as well, because I mean, I used to be like, oh my word, this person just believes in God because their parents believe in God. And then I'd be like, at the voting booth, I was like, here we go, another vote for the DA. <laughs> Why? Because my parents had voted for the DA. And it's all these, I've changed now, people, I've changed, <laughs> I promise. And it's all these, like, core ideological and big beliefs that shape our lives that if you really reflect on them, for for the most part, have been passed on, And that's what you break breaking away from. And that's what I really like about when you say that you've had your own encounter with Jesus. And that for me is very powerful.
1: Yeah, I think you're really touching on, you're touching on something that I wish, I wish everyone could experience. That is my heart. My life has changed. My life was altered when I actually Encountered the reality of God, not just God as a word or God as something that you talk about, or God as something that is um, culturally around you. Uh, I was 19, it was late in my life when I actually encountered the presence of something that I cannot explain. I cannot. And I encountered this presence of a person that knew me and knew things about me and through humans that I didn't know told me things about myself and I was like, how do y'all know this? Like what like it was it was straight up supernatural. Like I can't explain it in human natural terms. Mm. And like when you encounter something like that, you don't exactly leave the same way you came in. Hey Mm -mm. Mm -mm. and I was just like what is this? And that that's where that's where all of what I am, say, do share, how I approach people, how I encourage people, how I my heart, my break for people, Might break for certain spaces. It's all based on what now has been seven years of these experiences of some things that I cannot explain. Mm. I can't explain. I can't humanly explain them. And I think, um, there's something about that. There's something so beautiful. I also wanted to touch back what you were saying. There's something so beautiful about things being passed down. And I don't think that that should be undermined, um however we are human beings with our mm. own access to decision with our own access to choice with our own access to and by choice i mean, literally mean like an internal you can actually if you look for something you can you'll find it like we have this kind of i really believe that mm. if you look for mm. something whatever that thing is you'll find it um and whether that's a positive or a negative and oh, yeah. and contribute, um, you know and so I, I i'm not yeah i hope it's coming becoming i hope it is clear that um there is a, be- a believe there's a beauty in something being passed down from generation to generation provided it comes with a disclaimer that the person it's being passed down to is told you are you and you do not have to um believe because I believe. And I, mm. why I'm saying this is because I then have myself experience and I've seen it in other people's lives. There's so much more power in, in, in my experience in meeting, having met Jesus in such a very like radical, very weird, like I can't explain it humanly terms way mm. because because I was separate from because I was allowed the freedom to to step out from under mm-hmm. like where my maybe my parents, you know, believe. And I think that it's far more powerful. Um it's not I mean not the most powerful, but I think it's very, very, very powerful <laughs> yeah. when you are not expecting something and it finds you, or in fact you're pushing something away and it pursues you and hunts mm-hmm. you down. And oh, the, if that's right, Cape Town
0: girls, stay away from me. Stay
1: away. From me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sam,
0: so, um, run. Just keep running. Keep running. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. You're all lovely, ladies. You're all lovely. <laughs> um, no, again, you, 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 and that's why I was very excited and really wanted you to come onto this sort of podcast because I knew that we would be able to get into this in some depth, which, I think is very lacking in our moments of culture as young people. Is like um th- there are not too many genuine moments of interaction. And I don't know, maybe you've come to this part of the podcast, if you're here, thank you already for staying for so long. But, you know, maybe like, ah, you feel very apprehensive when you hear Dana talk about Jesus and that sort of stuff. And, I mean, to this day, I still I have to get over the shock factor. And I've known... Den and her family for for many years, and then but once I get over myself and like my preconceived ideas of religion, which you've asked people to do when they um, think of it, I, and then and I hear sort of experiences and how you have this not out of body but strange experience that you can't put into words that it gives me like goosebumps of sorts, and that's why I never I. I suppose maybe I used to like bash religion, but I'll make jokes about religion, of course. I love making jokes about everything. But it, it really speaks to what you were saying, and you 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 raised that anxiety that I was saying, oh, all things passed down are bad. It's not necessarily what you're saying, and I don't think you were calling me out on it either. It's, of course, culture is what um, keeps society together. If we didn't have that lineage and social cohesion, it would be... A complete free-for-all and where I'm where I'm at in my like faith journey if you will is I'm at a place where I understand all of these things to be shared narratives so the story of Jesus or the coming of Christ and God and all that sort of stuff is a shared narrative that has shaped society and that's whether you believe in God or not is irrelevant Christianity has um ...shape society, especially the Western world. It uh, dictates a lot of our like, moral code and values that people have or live by. So once I got over that whole thing, like, oh my God, they think this oak in the, in the sky is fixing their problems. Oh boy, do they have something coming. And trying to understand that these are all shared narratives that hold very different meanings for very different people. And if I can believe in democracy... Whatever that may stand for to you, you can certainly understand and converse, and take from something from someone who believes in Christianity, is Jewish, Muslim, whatever. So that's where I'm at in my sort of spectrum, and what I'd be very interested to ask you because um, it's something that's always prevented me from really being following Jesus or being Christian, and that is not only the language of the Bible but um some of the contents of the bible and their interpretations so for one you know like there's a like one true god there can only be one god does that mean you denounce other gods in terms of that person is now um celebrating ramadan or in the process of ramadan and and for me that's one of the points and it, it's something that's very sticky and other parts of the bible just in terms of the language i don't think appeal to me and my personality, I feel very. I'm being lectured to, you know, coming before this higher being, which, if you believe it, is completely true. And I understand why you would feel that way, but it doesn't appeal to where I am in my life at the moment. So, what? How? Basically, this long rant, <laughs> ramble is. How do you incorporate? Or I'd be interested in knowing how you incorporate the Bible into your into your life and into your understanding and. Living through Jesus, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'll let you go from here.
1: Um, sure. So, you asked the question Does believing in one God mean that you denounce other religions and how they um, exercise their faith and how they praise their God? No, why would you spend time doing that? <laughs> you know? I know that some people find sadistic joy in bringing other people down. Mm. But that is not a reflection of the father that I've gotten to know. And that is not a reflection of the person of Jesus that I've been invited to become like. And I've been invited to become like Jesus, by Jesus himself, not by a pastor, not by a principal or a parent or a friend or myself. I've been invited to become like Jesus by Jesus himself through having a very alive relationship with him. And so when I say, why would you spend your time doing that? I mean, if you, if we encounter, and this is actually going to lead to the Bible thing now as well.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: If we, if faith, (laughs) the faith that I've been so graciously like, gift the opportunity to experience in my life is based on encounter it's not based on the vibe. it's it's i'll explain how the bible like for me personally has been linked to it but it's um i wasn't invited into a book i wasn't invited into a club i wasn't invited into a cult although no i those exist and i will be the first to tell you
0: i a christian, a christian, cult. christian. <laughs> they're exciting oh,
1: yeah. they're so oh, scary yeah. they're so they, scary we do, we do. So we do an F on one of those, eh? Yeah.
0: I'm, um, I'm, I'm down to go and like if
1: you wanna if you, you wanna do an episode on like some of the darker, weirder stuff
0: <laughs> No, no, this is supposed um, to be good press for faith. Come on, we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to straighten honestly, out the use. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I I think that's like what you say is a joke, but I like I seriously I don't have to defend Jesus. He can mm. defend himself. I don't have to defend God, he can defend himself and that is not my position here i i do not wish to defend the one who made me i can't do that how can well how can i even do that that makes no sense
0: can't be done. and
1: so can't be done so yeah i think um a life a life in jesus comes alive when you meet him when you get to know him when you actually open your heart to having a a relationship with him. And that relationship is what changes you. You can't read the Bible. Well, I think some people try to do this. I think some people think you got to read the Bible and just do what it says and like be different. Um, But if you actually read the word, so much of it, pretty much majority of it is about actually getting to know God so that you can, so that, and that like getting to know him is what ultimately changes your heart. There are so many, like I'm, I'm a living. T- I could tell you, like earlier, you were saying, you know, there's some like weird stuff that happens. Like, I could tell you some stories. Like, I could, I could tell you some. I'm sure you've heard some stories mm, as well, mm. probably through through some of the crew. Like, mm. like weird stuff happens that can that cannot be explained in the natural. Like healings and people coming alive from the dead, and and the whole body's being reset. And like, geez, I, it, like it's never ending the stories. Mm. But for me, one of the most beautiful and profound miracles and testimonies is actually the human person themselves changing and changing in ways that we didn't even know we needed. And I'm speaking from my own experience here. There are parts of me that exist now that never, ever, ever, ever used to be possible. And that I can only put down to this like work of kind grace which has been this invitation to actually have a relationship with god and so when you ask about the bible um i'm not going to sit here and pretend like some of the language in the bible isn't offensive to me Mm. i'm not gonna pretend that because it is it's like it's again no matter what culture you bring you're brought up in whether that was 2000 years ago culture or now culture or culture in asia or culture in um the uk in, in 2020 like things are gonna offend you And I think going into life, yeah, we're gonna you're gonna be offended. Like, things are offensive because you have a way, you know. But to not be afraid, I think, like, I think we're afraid of offense. And this is one of the big issues that I actually have. I actually have with our current like, cultural climate, like, in in our generation especially. peeps are just offended. All the time. We're We're offended, we're offended, we're offended. And we spend so much time in offense. I'm not saying that Things aren't worth being upset about okay i'm not saying that like that emotion and humanity is not in that um but one of the big things i think why you asked earlier why has christianity not taken root in the youth or whatever (laughs) it's because it's because it's put like the way it is understood by majority of the youth is as this offensive cage meanwhile if you actually meet jesus so not don't whoever whoever christianity is i don't know but if you actually like meet jesus himself suddenly the bible becomes an invitation to acknowledge that i'm not god Mm. i can't understand his ways i can't understand the way of life i can't understand how life that i myself did not design or create works Mm. I think that's honestly, Sam. I think that that's probably like where I, I, we could, I, we could talk about this. First.
0: And you see, I, I, I love, I love everything that you, you have, have said about that because, yeah, what a, what a awful time you'd have to spend with yourself if your whole purpose was to like disprove someone being Christian or disprove another God, whatever your stance is from. And that's when I, st- when I really got in touch with your family. And saw that and saw the friends and, like, met other members of the God Squad. (laughs) Oh, shucks. Anyway, I was like, these these are... These are very you know these are people who are studying engineering. these are p- young people like me who are like interested in fashion they're doing all sort of things they drink, you know they behave uh, uh naughtily uh, naughtily that's not a word is it they behave naughtily stop behaving so naughtily <laughs> <Nautily. laughs> um, yeah, and they but they had this completely different take on christian Christian, and that was the funny thing, because just like you, no one wants to talk about religion, no one wants to talk about Christianity, but it was more so like their relationship with God, and some were like big on God, they loved God, and others were bigger on Jesus and I'll say it right now for to be on the record, the Holy Spirit and that sort of stuff, and the three of them, it confuses people, Christianity. Sort your shit out. Just make it simpler for everyone. Just say, just say, who's gonna be the CEO? If it's God, make him God, and then we understand. <laughs> it's too confusing, but no, I'm I'm only teasing. And there was this fantastic. I was I watched the the Pursuits of Happiness like maybe ten days ago, and it really made this one scene really. I was like, I have to talk about this with Dana because it encapsulates everything, and I I'd like to. Like, see your reaction, hear your reaction. But there's one scene when Will Smith and his son, his son in real life, of course, Jaden, Continuity Hollywood, well done, awesome movie, cried a lot. But they're walking in the street and he just says, "Uh, Dad, you want to hear a joke? And he's like, sure. And he says, okay, so there was this man drowning in the middle of the ocean and he's struggling and he's struggling. Obviously, I'm going to do this joke up. I'm not going to tell it like a toddler, come on. And he's drowning and, you know, having this terrible time. And a boat comes along and they say, jump in, we'll save you. And he says, no, 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 God will save me. And the the guys, they look at him, they say, this guy's insane. But what can you do? He won't get in. They sail away. And now he's really struggling. They're like sharks in the water. He's swallowed six liters of salt water. And he's really on the brink of death. And this other boat comes up. To him, And they said, jump in, you're saved. And he goes, no, God will save me. And seconds later, he dies because he drowned. And when he gets to heaven, he says to God, hey, God, uh, why didn't you save me? And then he's like, I sent two boats, you dummy. And I was like busy crying <laughs> from the pursuit of happiness. And I was like, that's such a fun joke about religion and like faith. And like, th- this is what life's about. Because we don't know. We don't know. And we live our lives for so long with like these fixed beliefs and you don't know, you don't know what really is happening in front of you. And we try and assess it as best as we can, like the boat and I'm waiting for God. Um, but we, we can't make sense of it. And I think to have that central belief, that like axiom that you are waiting for God and that like presence in or belief in Jesus, irrespective if it kills you or not in the story, it's just such a, a beautiful thing that like I observe in people and I think it's fantastic irrespective of whether it causes you um to drown no but
1: Samuel no but Samuel mm? God uses community he uses people he uses family so like I back that that oak was stupid in waiting and not actually taking what God was bringing <laughs>
0: Yes, of course, they're actual understandings and correct readings. I was trying to make a nice point about people who have like this faith-based system. And I think it's beautiful. And while well, well, we're still chatting a bit on this, because it's, it's my last scripture reference I'll make for some time on Kids Eat Toast, I think, in a non-poking um, manner. And it's my favorite thing, but it's also a very interesting part. And I know we just spoke about like, not really being on board with the Bible. Um, but I love
1: yeah, didn't, didn't say not on board with...
0: No, but you know what I mean. You know, I'm speaking in generalities to push the conversation forward. It's like it's not the be all and end all. It's not this it's more more your, your relationship with, with Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit. And and that's like the thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And that is beautiful. But the modern twist on it is that do people, you know, we've got like, there's so many like horrible stories and sad stories going around and depression, anxiety are prevalent in our society like never before. How is a society and a culture do we follow that like age-old tenet of Christianity when we don't necessarily or people don't necessarily love themselves? And I thought that was a very interesting point to kind of just dance around, tiptoe around, if you will
1: okay no i like that but i want to just say the bible thing the bible come gets life when you have a relationship with him that's what i wanted to say earlier okay so, nice to clear
0: it up um, i like that
1: it is a massively important part of getting to know god um but yes yeah okay now i hear what you are say um, so your question is how can one love someone else if one can't love themselves
0: <laughs> it wasn't so much a question. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> I thought it was a flick. <laughs> no, because... No, I, I think it's a, it's one of those, like... Not buzzwords, but those sort of terms that, you know, like... Oh, treat others as you would... you As you, like, treat yourself. And you're like... Oh, if people aren't treating themselves too well. Or, or, you know, the flip side, which I find in a lot of people I know... And a lot of relationships I have with people, and I've also done it myself, is... But you also treat people and this is provided you're a good person, I reckon, or maybe it doesn't make you a good person because it's messed up in itself. But you treat people much better than you'd ever treat yourself. And I'm not talking in terms of like direct actions. You, you give up your seat at the table so an older person can sit down or whatever. you know. Um, I mean, w- that internal and that non-stop dialogue that you're having in your head with yourself, you would never let that extend to another human being, especially if you're trying to be um, friendly or accommodating towards them. But the that inner conversation we let ourselves have is 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 maddening, I I find. And then that also for me was a very interesting thing to be like, Jesus. People do need to spend more time, I think, and myself definitely included coming to grips and wrestling with these sort of thoughts.
1: I really love that you've brought this up. It's really interesting. I've I've never actually um talked or like pulled this apart a bit. Um my I actually want to answer with a question. Okay. Um my I suppose like my response would be, but do you believe you're actually worth loving? And if you can't believe that then i think that that is a dead end then i think that there is going to be a consistent breakage in the Mm. attempt to love yourself well so you know and then love others consistently Mm. because i think i think it's easier for a lot of people to love others than it is to love oneself and i think most people in the world will agree bar the odd person um Mm. Don't want to, they'll be rude. I'm not going to keep going with that one. But, um,
0: I'm <laughs> talking about I, me. I'm, I know I'm like narcissistic. No, I know I'm a no, narcissist no. to a certain degree. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think what I wanted to say is, um, I, I, and this is what's been so, this is what has been one of the most beautiful points of freedom in my life. Sam has been learning to believe I am worth loving, mm. learning to believe by my, like within myself, learning to believe that. I, and it, it all rooted in the fact that there is a truth that is spoken over me by the one who I've come to know, who has encountered me in my life, who yeah. has, who I believe to have made me because I don't know who else did, because like, how does one make a hand? Can we just talk about that? Like, how does one even make a hand? Okay. Yeah. No, it's pretty quite a something. How does one make a hand? Yeah, and so I yeah. like, I, I believe i believe yeah and like you know this like and um i believe that just take a look around and i believe that there's proof everywhere we look that something made you
0: briny Trigas. all all creation testifies there we go briny i don't answer any of your whatsapps but you're on the podcast now so leave me alone
1: (laughs) (laughs) um but she but yeah that thing that she says and it's but it it, it, that forms a foundation of what I'm about to say, which is where I don't know how to not believe that some, someone made me, that something made me. And if, if my encounters with that thing has been, have been only love since the moment I met him, only love only kindness, only compassion, only gentleness. And kindness can look like a kick in the bum. Kindness can look like a rap on the knuckles. Kind, you know, mm-hmm. Kindness can look like many things. It's not to think that there's just a the soft ah, 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 all the time. No, yeah. I'm consistently challenged by the one who like believes in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that thing of like, do you actually believe you're worth loving? Because if you if you, I really believe that that's what is one of the most powerful and most freeing things of encountering, encountering God and encountering Jesus for me has been realizing that he made me, therefore Mm -hmm. I was on purpose. I was made on purpose. I was made Mm -hmm. with purpose and on purpose. I'm not a mistake. So I actually can lean into that and I can learn how to appreciate the things that I have and the things that I wasn't gifted, like whatever, and then you like you like realize, okay, hectic, that's what that looks like or that's what how that happens when I do that and it starts to become an invitation to actually celebrate something that's been made as a past, as opposed to I really need to like work on not hating myself like it gets yeah. like a twist you know and mm. I'm someone I spent I spent 23 years of my life hating. Like self-loathing mm. was my friend,
0: mm.
1: and so I'm speaking from a very personal journey of learning that I am worth loving. And yeah. by work, by that, I don't mean by people. I really don't. I'm like whatever peeps can love me, peeps don't have to love me. Like we oh, Gucci, seriously. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry,
0: to. Oh, Gucci. That's, a,
1: that's a shout oh, out. God. That's a shout out to Jody Page. That's Jody's uh, shout out. Okay. <laughs> That's Jody. shout out. No, but seriously, like, um, I'll be okay. Because yeah. the one who actually matters to me and the one who actually, I believe, like, is the be all and end all of anything and everything that actually will ever happen, I know how he feels about me. And that, mm. is, that is a gaze of absolute love and celebration. Mm. Why, and this is where, I actually want to finish off on that. I want to round off on this because this brings me back to the moment where I first met him. And when I first met him, what I encountered was a, was a revelation that why would I, as an artist make something that I don't deem to be worth making? I wouldn't,
0: mm. I
1: wouldn't spend my time making something that I do not deem to be worth making. Sure. And so I believe that I'm created in his image. And I believe that he's the ultimate artist because how else does the sky look like it does and differently mm-hmm. every single night for the rest of ever. Mm so I believe that he's the artist and so I don't believe an artist would make something and I don't believe you Sam would be made without purpose and without being you know what I mean like there's no, no like that's, yeah sure. so sure. that's where it comes full circle for me and that's where that's why for me being actually having the gift of art in my life is one of the greatest privileges mm. I could have ever asked for because um I get to in some small, small way share with the way that the great artist works every day i get Mm. to experience some of that process so i could i'm gonna i'm gonna stop talking there yeah
0: no again it's it's a a very beautiful um sentiment that you, you you share there and um to be honest like the first reaction when when you like almost cite reasons is a very defensive one because i don't know i think that's you know, like, oh, well, you know, well, there could be other reasons. The is different at night. And, you know, but that's not the point. I don't. And I think when I grasp that, uh, it really liberated me in the sense that I could go on my own, like sort of journey of like truth finding, because I think that's a good way of looking at it. And like trying to find out what your truth is. And th- that's the thing. It's your truth. If you found yours through Jesus, that's amazing. You know um th- that's that if i if I find mine like through i don't know some liter- piece of literature that it blows my mind and you know each to their own so it it really the the that sentiment of self love i think was captured very well or the lack of self love was captured very well by um Oscar Wilde, who was of course a tortured soul himself and in one of his plays, I think it's An Ideal Husband, I'm not sure, but the character is Lord Goring, and he says something to the effect that um, the only thing to do with good advice is to pass it on. It's never of use to oneself. And when I first read that, I was like, ha classic Oscar Wilde, that was funny. Um, because it is how we behave as human beings, you know, we're like, hey, I heard this, and then you're like, and you give a piece of advice, but you're like, would I have followed that in my life? And you're like, maybe not. So I think my takeaway is to start listening to my own sort of advice. Because like you said, that it comes back to the question, do you think you you, you deem yourself worthy? Or, and back to what I think, what I was saying around like treating yourself as you treat others. And it's in Jordan Peterson's book. I know people. It doesn't mean I'm in love with Jordan Peterson. I do think he's intelligent. That's... Besides the point, it doesn't mean this is a right-wing podcast. God, I've had some (laughs) interesting comments. (laughs) But um, Dana, I think that is a nice nice place to end it. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. Every encounter I have with you is always very genuine and sincere, and I hope that is able to play out in the podcast, even though we've got many, many meters separating us. And yeah... I hope we're out of lockdown soon and can be happy and the world can be safe. <laughs> so yeah, Damn thank you very much.
1: <laughs> I wanna hang. I miss you.
0: <laughs>
1: no, Sam, I just wanted to say thank you again. I like I've said all, throughout this whole thing, I so appreciate the welcome invitation to just come in come in honesty and like come in um genuine experience. Um yeah, and I'm gonna end it with saying you know I believe this and you know I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. But you are so worthy of being loved, my friend. And whether this is for you or for the peeps. This is me hyping you up for all the gals.
0: Uh, No, I'm done with that life. I am actually. Hold on. You can stay for this. No one ever asks me what toast I brought. so.
1: Oh, what? What did you bring, darling? Yeah,
0: people, be be wary of fake people, everyone. People tell you that you're worthy of love, but they don't even ask you what <laughs> else you have. So, today I've gone, it was actually a fan, a fan sent in the sourdough, freshly baked. Thank you. Um, well, I'm going to receive abuse for these sort of comments. But yeah, sourdough, people, if you have like 16 to 18 hours of a day to dedicate to running between the oven and kneading dough, Soda could be for you. I think that's how I'm going to end it. That's quite like, wow, radio. <laughs> that's it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, share it with your friends, your mother, your ex. Share it with your matches on Tinder. Hell, oh, share it with your dog. Even if you hated it, share it with the people you hate. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much.